Welcome to the TD Green Podcast. This is a post-March 23rd show. Kevin Sylvester, Brian Koziel, Jeff Metis, uh, as we sit here in the Fox Valley Pro Shop after our show here. The show after the show, Brian. We ran out of time. We needed we needed more t- we needed more time. We had more opinions, so here they come. <laughs> well, after, after the party, it's the after party. That's right. There you go. <laughs> well, w- one of the things that uh, we ran out of time discussing, and I, I thought was the Adam Hayes John Rom uh, caddy situation, which you know, listen, um, those disagreements happen during rounds of golf. A uh, high profile moment on the eleventh hole. When he tried to hit that uh, big, big hook out of the bunker, he, he was a group behind me. I was with Rory's group, um, and I, you know, I just heard Doug Bell, who's announced for us, go through it, and he, you know, and he rinsed it. Um, he could have taken the safe route, but I, you know, he, I, he believed he could hit the shot, right? Yeah, I mean, for, for those that maybe didn't hear a discussion on the show, he's playing the eleventh hole. He's in the rough. Um, he's got some bunkers and some water that he has to clear. And basically the caddy, Adam Hayes, as you mentioned, and John Rahm are discussing like, you know, where to go. And the caddy's basically telling him that he thinks, you know, that the, with the lie, even the stance, it was not a level stance uh, that he wants him to kind of take the safe route. And Rahm is looking very sternly like, I want to try and hit this shot and go for it. And I wouldn't say at all that from what the mic picked up, like it was a, disagreement at all that you know had any sort of vigor to it like there was any sort of meanness to it or anything like that I think it was just they were talking out the options and Adam Hayes the caddy was kind of saying look at I think this is the better play and Rom ultimately wanted to try and hit the shot so I'm, I'm guessing and Kevin you would be able to speak on this because you hear it more often but I'm guessing that that discourse of talking out option a option b that happens quite often and the fact that the mics picked it up a little more than maybe we hear on a normal broadcast, the fact that Rom ultimately decided to go against his caddy, uh, people are definitely thinking, oh boy, I wonder if that relationship is strained or anything like that. But if you have a good caddy-player relationship, then that probably happens quite often. And it's okay to disagree on, you know, alt- and ultimately, you know, as Jeff said on our show here, like the player's got the last call on it. It's, it, you know, he's the boss at that point. Well, how often, uh, Jeff, before you chime in, you know, there's so many times where media will say, well, why didn't the caddy step in and, and, and stop him? Or why didn't, you know, why didn't Joe Scobber one of the, you know, great caddy relationships, right, the team's Ricky Fowler Scobber, why didn't he step in and, and tell Ricky he made an improper drop in Mexico when he Even took a stroke penalty, right? For this de- stuff For decades we've been hearing about why, why didn't Bones tell pull that driver from Mickelson and break it, not even let him hit it on 18 in the U.S. Open. You well, know, they had like, a great, listen. Yeah, uh, they had the an year, amazing relationship, right? Well, the, the, the year they broke, right? well, the year they uh, yeah. parted ways after the U.S. Open, they had an argument. On the seventeenth at TPC Sawgrass, but over years ago, even like the wing foot in 06 and everything, like way right. back there when they were super tight. I mean, they well, had disagreements. Well, as a player, you're seeing good shot after good shot, or you're a caddy, you're seeing good shot after good shot. It sometimes that's semantics to me. I mean, the player's going to make the make the selection of what shot he's going to hit. The thing I found peculiar was that caddy didn't embrace it after the decision was made. He kind of half-hearted it. And the only see, the only negative I could see is maybe Rom had a little bit of doubt in his head because his caddy wasn't on board with the shot. But, you know, hooks are actually a little bit easier to hit out of the sand sometimes because you got a tight lie, you're coming in shallow. Uh, it seemed, you know, obviously the player thought he could hit the shot. Um, I don't think he gave it, an, I mean, I probably didn't give it much of a thought after that because that happens all the time. Sometimes you pull it off, sometimes you don't. Sometimes the caddy gives you the wrong 
club, you stripe it, and you're 15 yards short, and it rolls back off the green too. So those things happen, and it's and it's always on the player. You can never blame the caddy for that because the player always has the final say. Well, here's one thing I've learned from working inside the ropes in the PGA Tour. You, we, us, all right, uh, amateur golfer, decent players, however, you can't think of – how they're playing shots, the way you would play the shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play differently. They are amazing players. They can pull off what seems impossible all the time. And I'll give you a, an example from TPC, 16th hole. I want to say it was round three. Rory McElroy pulled it left into the trees. It rattled around the trees. It's cart path. Gets relief from the pine straw, 221, back pin on 16, hits this low-running hook. Now, there's water all down the right side. I'm thinking, yeah, he's just going to punch this out to the fairway. Well, that tree that sits in that bunker, you know, really eliminates a whole lot that you can do. He goes for it, right? And it's just a screamer. And it goes in the water. And I'm like, wow. I'm thinking to myself, what a dumb decision. However, he knew the golf course. He knew where his drop was going to be. He knew I was going to hit the shot. His drop was in the closely mown collection area where the drain is right behind the green. He putted, almost made the putt for birdie. So... Uh, what looked like a bad decision, it was calculated. And I, I think we need to think think differently because they're not thinking the way we think. And he rolled it five yards too far in that situation. So, you know, he's 220 yards. How's the ball going to roll once it's on the ground? Yeah, it was, was going to go 30 yards too far. It was yeah, a screamer. Well, right? yeah, that's <laughs> true. To, to add to your point, Jeff, I, I mean, I, I'm, re, I'm as we sit here, I'm, I'm kind of half looking at some of the quotes for, from uh, the player and the caddy about this from a Golf Digest article about it. And the one thing that one of the uh, the pros that they asked about caddy player disagreements, it, it goes back to exactly what you're saying here. And this this is what a, a former player, a former PGA Tour player said that look at the whole time you're fighting, and you know he uses the word fighting in a good way. He goes, it's because you got it, but at some point you have to be aware of where your guy is leaning because if you know he's not going to come over, you need to start backpedaling. He goes, but you need to make him feel either way like it's a good decision he goes read your player then try to change your tune to the point so when he stands over the ball he's still 100 percent confident in it so yeah, that's yeah. kind of what i think you're alluding to is even though you might agree with the decision once he's made the decision then you gotta kind of pump him up and believe like yes okay let's do this sort of you know yeah and the last thing you usually you know the last thing you want in your mind is a positive thought before you hit that shot and i yeah. felt like that caddy just kind of went, eh, all right go ahead it's your your, your your call here buddy yeah as opposed to you know the way the conversation normally go okay all right i can see that decision let's hit a good shot here just hit a nice and then try to have him visualize the shot he's hitting that was the only thing i thought might have been wrong with that interaction but i don't know how they interact on a normal basis either and we, I keep it's the player's decision. He thought he could hit the shot. If he hits the shot, no one's mentioning a word about it. They're mentioning what a great shot it was, et cetera, et cetera. Well, but, but he hit a terrible shot. Well, you know, the, the other thing with this, you have to play great to win on the PGA Tour. You just can't True. go out there and, and play home. He's going to win a player's championship, a signature win. Uh, you know, he, he's trying to put the hammer down there. He's trying, yeah. you know. We, we can all sit here and say it was a mistake because he put it in the water. Mm-hmm. But as Jeff mentioned, he hits the shot like, wow, what an unbelievable shot. Rory, the group ahead, hit out of that fairway bunker. Didn't have as uh, tough of a shot as Rom, but I'm telling you, he, he, he skipped over the pot bunker on the left by a foot. He was a mm-hmm. foot away from being in disaster, yeah. and he, he, he pulled off a great shot. So, uh, and, and those are the guys who wins golf, uh, win golf tournaments now. They pull off these... Great shots. You're not there because you're not supremely confident in your abilities either. 
And he's one of the best players in the world. He thinks he can hit the shot. He's playing in one of the biggest tournaments. He's near the lead. He's trying to do everything he can to win, and he's been playing well. So all he's seeing is good shots. And, and, and I, I wanna, his nature and, is not to yeah. lay up and try to make par all the time. His nature is to try to make birdie from anywhere. I want to add earlier this year, Ricky Fowler in Phoenix, final round. Um, he was widely criticized a few years back by Johnny Miller for laying up. When he's, uh, no, in, in Phoenix at okay. the same Waste Management uh, Phoenix Open. He laid up on the 15th hole instead of going for the green and made par instead of making birdie. And then he rinsed it off the tee on 17. Everybody's ripped, ripped him for, well, put it in the water off the tee, which, by the way, anybody's been there, there is no layup on that hole. You have to hit it over the bunkers on the right side. He tugged it a little bit. It runs to the water. So it wasn't as terrible of a shot as everybody thinks because Brandon Grace did the same thing this year. Anyways, this year, Ricky Fowler, 256 in the fairway, he went for the green. Didn't it, in a, a more precarious position he was a few years ago and made it on the surface. And I think it was because he was criticized for for and you know, for laying up, if you will. And he's like, right. I can't lay up. I have to win this golf tournament. You've got to do those things to win. Yeah. Is is my point. And whether it's on the eleventh hole or sixteenth hole, I think John Rahm felt like he could make the shot. He didn't. I I, I think this has been blown out of proportion. They're a good team. Some caddies have more input than others. Roy McIlroy, the guy who won his caddy, no input on any putt whatsoever. People say, wow, he, he needs a better caddy to win. I'm like, you know what? I think he just has clarity. It's all his decision. He's, he's, there's no other opinion on a line or whatever. Ultimately, I think interactions like this are still good for golf and the PGA Tour. And yes, an individual pro and an individual caddy might not love the fact that like this conversation is out. And like you said, Kevin, the media might be overblowing a story here. But ultimately, look, we're talking about it. We're doing a podcast on it. We talked about it on our radio show. People are clicking on articles, and I think the best, some, some of the best things that we've heard improve on golf broadcasts over the last few years have been caddy player t- discussions and interactions. Uh, we, you know, I mentioned on the show, like Spieth and Greller, we hear that probably more than any other one, and Spieth loves to talk it. I, some of the best part of the broadcast when I'm not actually seeing a shot is hearing him talk and talk it out with his caddy. Um, if I'm the PGA Tour, even though I know that maybe caddies and players won't love it, I'll say, guys, this is better for your brand. This is better to gain popularity. The caddies themselves are becoming names because of it. A lot of people might not have known who Adam Hayes was a week ago. He's got a name now. Guess what? That might help his success going forward future. You know, people are talking about John Rahm. To grow the game, there's many ways to do it. All sports now are trying to, what are unique ways that we can give people access to different things? Um, I think miking up more conversations like this, I think it only grows the game. Well, I I, I agree with that. And, you know, the caddies are becoming entities, if you will. Yeah. Ted, Ted Scott's a great follower on Twitter, Bubba's caddy. Very interesting, yeah. Yeah, they do some funny videos, some really funny videos Ted Scott does uh, on his Twitter feed with Bubba. And with other players. Um, I want to mention, in Mexico, there was uh, Paul Casey's caddy. Paul, When we record this, Paul Casey's in the lead of the defending champion of Valspar. Johnny Lawn Sox, they call him. Um, great guy. He gave, it was a, much ado about, oh, he gave Paul Casey the wrong hole locations because they had Puerto Rico uh, open going on at the same time. And he grabbed the pin sheets actually online from yeah. the Puerto Rico. And Paul Casey, afterward, I was standing right there when he was doing the interview, and he said, "Well, you know, look, 
uh, on hole 10. We start on hole the back nine. Hole 10, you hit to an area on that green. Same with 11. It's a par five. You're just going for yeah. the surface in two. So, And if you look at the pin sheets, they're very similar. So this wasn't, it wasn't as big of a deal as everybody was making it out to be. No, yeah, because you can see the pin from the fairway, right. too. Yeah. That's right. So um, <laughs> Great if it, it's not yeah. on the right, I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. So yeah. that that's where you'd probably figure that out. And, yeah, I do think there's – I think a caddy is, is an asset, but it's not necessary. You know, some guy can just carry your bag. You can figure out your own yardages, too. But if you do have a good caddy, it's a tremendous asset. I think more in the – in the, p- helping you think better or helping you, you know, plot your way around the course or you guys come up with a plan and you get a little hot and you're playing well and you might want to deviate from your plan a little, maybe a caddy gets you back on track or, or you had a bad hole or two and your caddy starts chatting you about something else besides golf where it takes your mind off what's going wrong or whatever and gets you back into a, into a, a good mind frame to play well. I think that's their role. By the way, John Rahm does his yardage in meters. Doesn't do it in yards. Yeah, he does. So, because um, he was interviewed after the round, and uh, my colleague asked him, "Hey, you had this many yards?" He's like, "Oh, wait a second, I do it in meters." How, uh, you know, how, I thought I think that's fascinating. So the yardage books, they have. You know, it's not like Adam Hayes and John are doing calculations. They they provide them in meters and in yards. Which I think is pretty cool. Absolutely, and they should just let them use lasers. Yeah, when well, they use them all in the practice round. I know, to, yeah. and market in their books. No, they yes. all know the yardage. It's another too. speeding up play thing. With with all the details they have now in these books and everything, I mean, at this point, they're stepping it off to the yard. At this point, I, that would be another initiative that I think maybe hopefully going forward that they'll just have it like where it helps is when you hit it offline. You know, That's if right. you're in the fairway or in the rough, or there's trees that are marked in those yardage books right. and At different these things. Courses, they've all got markers. Yeah, you're blowing in the other fairway, or you're trying to. Yeah, that's when the laser would help out. Just let the caddy have them if the player can't or something like right. that. Right. So they don't have I'd to. I'd be pace totally it. in favor of yeah. that. Let let a caddy have access to it, and then this way, it's another thing to help. I feel like save over the course of the round. Saves you more time. I mean, that's that's ultimately a, the biggest initiative. That I would say still is pace of play. Right. We we spent time yeah. talking about with JV Holmes this year and. You know, like what, you know what? You know what? You know I think a big part of that pace. Of, you know, some players do need to play faster. The believe green me, books. Believe me, I've seen it. The green yeah. books are so intricate. Mm-hmm. Like, so we yeah. get the yardage books each week that, that the players and caddies get, but we don't get the green books. Mm-hmm. The green books, but I've I've seen them. Yeah. And it is like reading hieroglyphics, yeah. right? I mean, there's just arrows everywhere and, and different shades and all these things. Uh, but I get it. I mean, listen. They're putting for legacy, lots of uh, dollars, a chance to make the FedEx Cup playoffs, all these things that go into it. So I understand that. I disagree, though, on rangefinders in play and because I, I think part of the art uh, of competition is figure, knowing your yardage, how you hit a club, factoring wind, elevation, and uh, yardage on the golf course. I, I think there's a skill to that. But the, they already know the yardage. The yardage is public knowledge, so you can Correct. get it to the spring. So that, as you just said, that's one factor of four. You know, knowing your yardage, well, you don't know your elevation, you don't know the wind, and the yardage to the pin is not necessarily where these guys are aiming but, all but, the time. Right, but it's not like they're just walking it off themselves. They have a caddy there, right? Right. So to me, I, I think there's some tradition that we still need to keep in the game, and I, I think, hey, if you use them the practice ground, mark it off. You know where you hit the ball, roughly. Mm-hmm. You know which clubs you're going to hit off there, so you know what the yardage is going to be. You yeah. don't need it, you know. I, we I, need it, I, but I, they don't need it. I understand the tradition piece of it, and I appreciate many parts of the of the golf game that the tradi- that we embrace the tradition of. I guess my thought is, these guys, with the info they have, with how much now homework these caddies do during practice rounds, with the information in these books, with how good the caddies are becoming, 
I feel like how often are they not almost on the exact number uh, all the time? Anyway, my thought would be, are they? Re- is it really going to? Is it really going to be that much of a of a difference? And my thought is no at this point. I feel like they're so good well, at getting the injury right anyway. Hold within on. a year. Right. That, they, that yes. It's to me, it's worth the fact that over the course of the round, you might save ten minutes overall per player. That adds up. That's overall. where I stand. Right. They'll tell you within a yard's a huge deal because proximity to the hole. Um, the approach to the green being the top there will equate to making more putts exactly. and a lower score. So they'll tell you within a yard is a big deal uh, when it comes to that. Should they have replay? And the reason I ask, will that speed up some of these rulings? And the reason I say that is um, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, Roger Sloan was playing with Kevin Kisner on the 13th hole. It's over water, and Sloan's shot. I'm standing uh, up by the tower, and his shot, I see the ball bounce. So it hit land. Mm-hmm. The penalty area line, penalty area, right? right? It's penalty yes. right, which I'm getting no used to. Hazard, no more, no more hazard, yeah. whatever. The red, <laughs> the, that tradition, right? But <laughs> you still have you still have yellow and red, mm-hmm. right? But the penalty area line very tight to the green and the rocks. And the discussion was, did his ball carry? Nobody saw it. Nobody saw. You know, he, he where the vantage point of all the players in the fairway uh, didn't. They couldn't tell. And so Sloan and Kisner were having a discussion up there, and Sloan's caddy went back. They called in Ken Tack at the official, and they brought him over, and Sloan starts walking back, and the caddy's like a damn it that, hey, I cleared it. So I walked down. I said, look, if this helps. I said to Kisner, I go, Kevin, if this helps. I saw the ball bounce from up there, and I have to believe if I saw the ball, it had to have crossed the line. I can't see the line from where I'm at, and Tackett was there too, and I said, if you guys want to come look, and Tackett goes, if you were standing up there and saw the ball, that's good enough for me. And Kisner goes, yeah, that's, I, just, I just didn't see it. As a player, I have to protect the field. Right. If, if I didn't see it, I can't do it, right? So the replay would have taken care of it instantly, though. And that's why I'm saying maybe, maybe they should do that uh, for situations like that because the, the rule, it took like 15 minutes, and that slows up, backs up group to group to group. Yeah, and, and, and the new rules, as you said, in, in one of the earlier shows we had on T to Green is – they're slowing things down because guys are unsure how to make drops now with this. They don't want to do it wrong, and I, I right. get it because everybody's filming it. Like everybody can see, yeah. You, there's too much at stake to be penalized after a round. And we've all—I've been to the rules seminar and stuff, but I don't know that I'd be very comfortable making a correct ruling right now. I definitely refer to the book. I want to go to more classes. These guys have probably just been briefed on it. You know, I'm sure they read the rule book. But you're, if you're not comfortable on the simple things, I think over time they'll become more comfortable with it. it that should help pace of play. I do think replay would help. Um, expedite play, but you'd have to have a way to communicate that to the player right. through the rules official. There'd have to be a system for that, and then that becomes the eye in the sky rule again, and, and well, it is a game of honor, and, and, right. and most of the rulings should be made within the group. There, there's often times where a ruling is made uh, based upon marshals and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened to the players. Rory McIlroy's ball knocked Matt Kuchar's ball mm-hmm. forward and to the left, and Kuch moved it back to the to the right, and I go, I actually was I was the only guy who saw it. Everybody's mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, it's got to go back like half a foot, a foot, because it went forward and left. They're like, okay, yeah. great. So someone verified, like, hey, what what happened? And really, the only, what's the difference of a foot? But it's more of – per- Make percentage, big difference. Make percentage, a big difference, but it was like a 40-footer. But oh. it's still like you didn't want I, – I didn't want to say, hey, I saw that, and have someone come back and players said, I think he put the ball back in the wrong spot, right, when it could be – could be avoided. And right? it can work to your advantage. I was in a U.S. Open qualifier where a bird took my ball. 
and I couldn't see the elevated green and the rules official was right there. It turned out I had an inch. I would have never known, you know. So having oh, wait, someone a bird, there, a bird took your a that bird actually took happened. my ball off the green. Yeah, I hit a wedge in the elevated <laughs> green and never saw it and walked up there, my ball's gone. I had no idea how to proceed, but there was a rules official and I threw him a ball and he put it a half inch from the hole. It was it almost went in. So yeah. it, it can help you in that way too. So it's good that you're there. It's good that they allow that too. Oh know, yeah, person, yeah. Um, yeah. to let it uh to let it expedite play and i think the attempt with the new rules is to make the game faster right. i just don't think it's been implemented yet because nobody's comfortable with it well the other the other thing that we have to remember and we'll close with this is the new rules are put in place for all of golf mm-hmm. not just the pga tour mm-hmm. it's for all of golf and the professional golfers are a small section i mean small percentage of golfers it's just what we see but when we get to play here in western new york and you're you're, you're you know go to your club rules seminar mm-hmm. so you know the new rules read up on them so you're not getting arguments on the green <laughs> like yeah. the rules have changed in golf and it's supposed to speed up play here and for the better and ultimately you know my final thought is who knows maybe we will see at some point we, we've heard players be vocal about it that they the PGA Tour has their own set of rules versus just amateur golf rules. Well, no, you know, no, will not, we, will not we necessarily. No, they, point? no, they, they, uh, Jay Monahan, uh, the commissioner said we are governed by the rules of golf. Yes, but I've heard players. And I've heard players, you know, when they're in complaint mode, have said, "Hey, you know, like." We should set up our own set of rules. Players want to have their own set well, of rules. The way it's configured now is there's a lot of local rules that can affect that too. So like that's the correct. ball hitting being yeah, hit right. out of bounds with that cone or whatever, that's not adopted by the PGA Tour, but most clubs will adopt that rule. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know what? Go with the USGA rule. They just USGA just hired uh, Jason Gore, by the way. Yeah, I saw that. The players director of player relations. So. Um, oh, after the Twitter incidents with uh, some of the players, yeah, so that's a good reach out. That's a great reach out because yes. that was that was uh, yeah, unfortunate. Justin, Justin <laughs> Thomas was the big name amongst that group that had been complaining and then back and forth, and that I mean, and that well, that's right. They tweeted out something that wasn't true, right? Well, that's where I was <laughs> going with it. It's that I saw some players comment about how that they should have their own set of rules. That uh, I'm not saying that they should or should. I'm just saying that's where they've I've been talking seen. about that for years. Yes. You know that yeah. they should have their own set of rules. They should have their own ball. You know, yeah. um, I I think I think they should play under a st- streamlined set of rules, which they do for the RNA USGA. They run the majors. The PGA runs mm-hmm. the the PGA Championship. So that way, there's no confusion on what the rules are. And if there's a local rule, they post it in the locker room. I've seen the rules posted in the locker room. So they tell them on the first tee, typically. Yes. Also, yeah. yeah. So I've been a starter at the events, and you have to explain local rules or changes to the rule sheet on the first tee. So pl- players are aware. I do think it'd be a big break with tradition if they'd made their own set of rules. You know, break right. with. The I don't. Th- I don't see that happening. Don't no, see it happening. I don't either. Yeah. All right. That's uh, that's gonna do it for this edition of the TD Green Podcast. Make sure you check out our radio show every Saturday, seven to eight a.m. on WGR. And t2greengolf.com. And also join our T2 Green Golf Club. If you haven't done so already, go to t2green.golf, sign up. It's free. We do tons of giveaways on Twitter, on our show. So uh, if you are not a member already, sign up. Yeah, you get our newsletter. It's yeah. going to be it's great stuff, and you can win awesome stuff. I mean, awesome stuff. We've already given away rounds of golf. We're going to give away a golf watch from Hook & Gaff uh, Watch Company coming up very soon. And our partner, Michael Balter, has got some unbelievable stuff they're giving away this year, too. Stuff we want to win. All right, make sure you sign up, and thanks for listening to the TD Green Podcast.